and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode is the finale of our series called Revolutionary, with a conversation being led by lead pastor Yukon Chu. All right, again, it's great to see everybody here this morning. I know uh, this is the beginning of, of uh, perhaps some challenging Sundays in the sense that, you know, it's uh, the holiday season now. People are in and out of town. There are different activities to engage in. I know everyone associated with Rutgers, this is like just one of the worst weekends in your life, probably, uh, this semester, so I'm glad to see all the Rutgers people here. Um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we are here to engage with our spiritual journey. We really believe here at Ethnos that that aspect of our lives is crucial for our own well-being, but more importantly, perhaps even, it's crucial for the well-being of our community, the families we're in, the city we live in, it doesn't just affect us individually, it affects everyone around us. And so we're excited to continue uh, as a community just to engage with our spiritual life here this morning. And we are actually wrapping up a couple month long discussion now. Uh, today is actually the last discussion in this series we've been on called Revolutionary. And tomorrow, or next Sunday, excuse me, we're going to take a pause and do what we've been already doing here today. We're going to take a pause to really just let the meaning of Christmas sink in. Again, we've been doing that since the Advent season. The Advent season is traditionally the uh, few weeks before Christmas where many Jesus followers around the world hit pause and begin that process of reflecting on Christmas. Uh, what we're going to do is spend the last Sunday in this Advent season just dedicated to that. In the meantime, we're going to wrap up this conversation we've started called Revolutionary. And today, as we do this final conversation in, in the series Revolutionary, um, I, I think it's going to be a very helpful discussion because if you think about what we've been processing this whole series, we've been processing the change that we all really want to see in our lives and in the communities we live in. We've been thinking through how does, it, how does it happen where people can actually change? How does it happen where our world can actually change? What does it take? And how does Jesus actually fit into that? And so we're going to finalize, finish up this talk. And I thought it would be good to get started with this question here this morning. Uh, as we always do, we have these questions for us to talk about at our tables. And so take about two minutes and answer this question together. Share your thoughts on this question. When you want to see something good in, happen in your life, when you actually want to see change, who or what do you have to fight against to get there? Two minutes, turn to your neighbors next to you. Let's process this question here this morning. All right, so when we want to see something good happen, when we want to see change happen, who or what do we feel like we have to fight against? Who wants to share 
with the larger group here this morning, which you were processing. Yeah. Yukon, you look great, by the way, Thank man. You. Thank you. <laughs> a supply shirt, baby. There you go. Um, I was just talking with Curtis, actually, and I, I feel like it's the fight that you have to go against is within yourself, you know, because in order to change, you have to make the change, you know? So that's how I personally feel about changing, you know? It's just you, you know? It's no one else. It, it's all about accepting who you are in order to, to accept the change, you know? Oh, that's good. That's good. How many of us said something related to me or myself or, yeah. Okay, yeah, a lot of us, all right? Okay, no, that's good. Thank you, Martin. Yeah, totally agree. What else? Who, are, who else? Yeah. Um, I was going to say pride and, like, how willing we are to allow God to change us and, like, being open to that in prayer. Yeah, so pride, that's huge. Yeah, okay. What else? What else? Oh, over here. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for those, uh, those fingers. Uh, I set the system because some problems are systematic. And, um, well, it's true. Like, you know, say you want to go to church more, but there are no church in your vicinity and you're paralyzed. Like, you can't really go. So okay. some things are like an infrastructural problem. Okay. What's your major? Or what did you major in? History. Public policy and history. Okay. Yeah. This sounds like a good public policy history. Code. No. The system, we do have to think about systematic issues. Definitely. We don't ever want to forget that we aren't individualistic people. We're part of societies, too. Okay, yeah, what else? What else? Yeah, over here. Yeah. This goes along with, I think, Anna, uh, who shared the poem this morning. Fear is something that you have to fight against. Yeah, fear. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. What else? Anybody else? Yeah. Um, so we're just reflecting on uh, what Chuck uh, has been talking about when uh, during the prayer work workshop. So there are like six common voices we hear. So the first is like my own agenda. Second one is my own fear and anxiety. And third one is my own theology, uh, like assumptions about what God should do. And the fourth one is the uh, voice of the crowd. Uh, and the fifth one is the uh, like evil one uh, who gets me to doubt my own identity. So uh, the sixth one is the voice of God who like goes against all these five voices that we need to fight. Yeah. No, thank you for that. Yeah, Mingjia was uh, referencing uh, some seminars we did last weekend about prayer. And so those are some alternative voices we hear in our lives oftentimes. So yeah, that's good. Anybody else? What did you process at your tables? Yeah. Anybody else? Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is a, um, a question that Obviously, we, we all have had to answer. We've all had to wrestle with, whether subconsciously or consciously. And I think all of what we've said is definitely on point. I mean, when we are going through a battle, when we're trying to see change, whether it be change in ourselves or change around us, issues of pride, issues we face with the system, issues we face within ourselves, those are all real issues we have to deal with. Now, as we wrap up this final conversation on revolutionary, how Jesus changes everything, I want to just remind us of where we've been, because as we read our final excerpt here today in this ancient document, I think our author will present to us something we really, man, don't want to miss as we try to answer this question. You'll remember that we've been looking at the revolutionary change 
that happened around some 2,000 years ago in a city called Ephesus. For those of you who've missed the discussions in the past, this city was a fascinating city because it was the second largest city in the Roman Empire, the greatest empire of that time, perhaps even in, in all of European history. If you'll remember, uh, Rome was the greatest city, Ephesus number two, so it's kind of like the difference maybe between New York and L.A., and so this was a happening city. This was a city where you didn't go to fail, you went to succeed. Right? This is a city where commerce was booming, religion was booming, sexuality was booming, relationships were booming. This was a place to be. 2,000 years ago, Jesus and his teaching entered into the city. And all of a sudden, we have historical records of this city going upside down. This city going through a revolutionary change. And so we've been trying to answer the question, well, what happened? How did this city change? How did it just turn upside down? What happened to the people in this city? Well, thankfully, about four or five years after that city went through this change, a letter was written called the Letter of Ephesians, written to the citizens of Ephesus, to remind them of the truths, of the realities that changed their lives. And so for the last two and a half months, we've been looking at this letter, thinking through what, what concepts, what realities actually changed them. And today, we come to the final discussion, the final part of the letter, where actually the, the, the author says, and finally, <laughs> I want to tell you about the big picture, essentially. And I think this excerpt really does has a, have the potential to continue to help us change here today. Let's take a look. The excerpt is on your tables. Um, if you don't have one, look around, grab it from a table near you. I'm going to read through it. This letter is written, this, this final section is in three paragraphs. I'm going to read through it, and uh, we're going to start discussing this together. Now, just as a disclaimer, some of you may find this very strange, especially if you're new to this whole idea of Jesus or spirituality. That's okay. Just kind of roll with us here. Uh, remember, this is written some 2,000 years ago, so, so there'll be some, perhaps, things you don't understand right away. Uh, some of you will find this very familiar as well. So let's just read through it and begin the process of trying to understand this passage. It says this, finally, so there it is, this is the last talk he's going to have, the last section of the letter, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Now, just really quick, you remember the Lord refers to Jesus in this letter. So, finally, be strong in Jesus and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, 
take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Now again, if you're new to this conversation, this will just seem like a bunch of religious terminology. If you've been around religious circles, perhaps Christian circles, you may have heard this as well. But again, it sounds like something that is just, well, is this part of that religion I grew up with or that church I grew up with? Let me try to take us back some 2,000 years ago to help us understand how the first hearers heard this. Because I think we really need to understand how this impacted them at first before we can really understand what we're supposed to take away with it, away from it, okay? Now, a few things we can note right when this discussion gets started, right? It's clearly seen in the first paragraph that this person, this author, thinks that the real battle we're facing in our world is spiritual, right? It's clear that the that this author thinks the ultimate fight, the ultimate struggle we have in our day and age, in our lives, the ultimate struggle we see to we have to see real revolution is actually spiritual. Now, some of us are very comfortable with the idea. We're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's great. That's, of course he's right. Everything's spiritual, so that makes a lot of sense to us. Others of us, however, are really skeptical about this idea, right? Maybe you've been in a situation where somebody was going through something and they just blamed the spiritual really quickly. You ever been there? And you're like, why, why are you just like kind of, you know, pawning off responsibility because, oh, the devil made you do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? So some of us have, have been in situations where it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. We can't just blame the spiritual for everything. I, I, I think... I think we can acknowledge, number one, that there are things in our lives we don't understand, right? None of us are omniscient. None of us know everything. And so for those of us who maybe doubt the spiritual, I think, I think we could say at, at the very least, well, okay, maybe there is something spiritual that influences me or influences the change I want to see, something like that. But then on the other end, I, I think many of us would also agree that, well, you just can't blame the spiritual for everything, can you? Like, how do, how, do we, how do we get this figured out? How do we make sense of this? Well, I think as we continue to look at this excerpt, I think there's some insight here that can maybe help us understand what actually a quote-unquote spiritual battle is really about. Notice this, be well, as we go to the second paragraph. The second paragraph begins to tell us, well, okay, if there really is a spiritual battle going on, a spiritual struggle, then this is the way you and I are going to struggle through it. And as it describes to us how we struggle through it, I think it's going to give us more clarity as to what exactly 
this spiritual struggle is. First thing I want you to do is, if you have a pen and some pens are around your table, I want you in the second paragraph, in the first two paragraphs, the first two sentences of the second paragraph, circle the word stand every time it comes up, okay? It's going to take a brief 15 seconds. Look through it, if you will, and circle the word stand. How many times does the word stand pop up? Who wants to share their discovery? Three. Yeah. Okay. Three times in two sentences. Three times to open up this paragraph, okay? Let's think about that real quick. What is it actually talking about then to, to engage with the struggle that the author is talking about? It doesn't mean to like, you know, sometimes when you hear the word spiritual, some of us are maybe really superstitious, right? And so we think, oh, we're in a spiritual battle. That means I need to take care of these certain superstitious things. I need to go figure out like, Ghostbuster style, maybe, like, what I need to do to make sure, like, nothing wrong happens to me, right? Go to my palm reader, go to whatever, like, just take care of business. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not talking about that kind of spirituality. We're talking about this reality that, okay, something, there, there are forces, yeah, there's, there's something pushing against us, working against us, but we need to stand. We need to be firm and secure in something, Right? in order to stand our ground. So the question is, well, what do, we, what do we need to be firm and secure in? Or how do we be firm and secure in that? Notice the second aspect of this paragraph that is very clear. And again, if you grew up in a Christian or church setting, you probably heard this talked about a lot. But again, let me, let me, let me take us back some 2,000 years ago to think through how they would have heard this idea. It, the second paragraph is very clear. You, need a, you and I, we need to put on some armor to be able to stand. Now, where does that imagery actually come from? Again, we don't, we, we don't really wear armor today. I mean, Iron Man wears armor. Like, I was trying to think, what is modern-day armor? And I thought of Iron Man. That's like the best I can do. But like some 2,000 years ago, what did they think of? Well, they had two options, really. You had the Roman Empire and the Roman armor, but you also had all of the Jewish history that was behind these images. And in fact... If we think through each of these descriptions, we will discover that about four or five hundred years before Jesus came, so this is like four or five hundred years B.C. or B.C.E., a prophet by the name of Isaiah spoke about a coming deliverer, a coming messianic figure that would come and deliver God's people from evil. And guess what? That prophet, some four or five hundred years ago, before Jesus, said that this Messiah would be wearing armor that actually is described just like this. And so what is our author actually trying to say? Our author is, number one, trying to tell us something. You and I, we actually need to be like the Messiah. It's actually impossible. <laughs> so he's actually meaning this. You and I need to put on what the Messiah wore. The Messiah, of course, as we begin to learn, is 
Jesus in his thinking. And so you and I need to put on Jesus in order to stand our ground. What does that actually mean, put on Jesus? Well, he then gets into the details. And let's just think through the details here really quickly, and then we'll discuss some of this, okay? Notice in 14, sentence 14 or verse 14, he says this, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What are, what's happening here? A couple of things. First of all, he's saying you and I need to stand our ground and be secure and strong in Jesus by first of all understanding what truth is, right? This whole idea of this belt of truth. But what kind of truth are we talking about? Well, usually this writer talks about truth in at least three ways. First of all, the truth about ourselves, the truth about God, and the truth about this world we live in. And so first of all, the truth about ourselves. Notice how he then goes on and talks about this breastplate of righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Again, really religious jargon, religious terminology. Basically, righteousness means right standing with God, with others. It has this moral quality to it, because I think most of us probably come from a background where we understand that, man, God is amazing, God is good, He's pure, and wow, I'm not? I'm not as good as He is? And so the question is, this righteousness that we're supposed to put on, whose righteousness is it? Is it our righteousness? Or is it God's righteousness? If we were to look in the background of this image, my bet is on, it's actually God's righteousness. And the idea is simply this. The story of Jesus, as many of us know, is about us needing somebody to help us in this muck that we find ourselves in. Jesus comes on the scene to take care of business, to do a number of things, to break the power of evil and brokenness in our world, but also as part of what he does, he lives this pure and perfect life. And when he dies on a cross, there are two exchanges that happen, and we've talked about this throughout this series. First exchange is our brokenness goes to him. Second exchange is his moral beauty and goodness gets put on us. And so we can stand in that righteousness when we fight the struggles. And so there's this truth about ourselves that we need to know. There's this truth also about our world that we need to know, specifically the purpose we have in this world that we need to know. Notice how he goes on and talks about our feet fitted with readiness. Why, why, should we, why, why do we need to be ready for something? Well, we need to be ready for something because you and I, we were created for a great purpose. You and I have a reason to live. You and I have something to accomplish. We have to be ready for that. What is that readiness for? It's for the gospel of peace. Again, really religious terminology, what does it actually mean? It actually refers to this good news. Gospel means good news of peace. What does that word actually mean? Again, from the Jewish context, that word, mean, that word means the total transformation, the total revolution of our world today, where evil and injustice and brokenness will be addressed and actual peace will come in. 
You and I were meant to be ready for that kind of purpose, that kind of world. You and I have a reason to live. And then he talks about a truth that we really need to know about God. Notice how he talks about in 15 or 16. He says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What does that actually mean? Again, I think sometimes when we read this terminology, we think about, oh, faith. He's talking about our faith. We have to have faith in God. We have to have faith so we can be strong. Hold on. That word faith actually in much of this person's writing, isn't talking about our faith. It's talking about the faithfulness of Jesus. Are you and I people of faith? Are you and I faithful in our lives? Man, I don't know about you, but I, I got some problems with that. Jesus, on the other hand, he's the faithful one. And so this, this, this picture is really crazy. This picture isn't about you and I trying harder. Okay, sometimes when we think about struggling in life, when you get advice on how to struggle in life and make it through, oftentimes the message is just try harder. You're not doing something right, so try harder. You're not doing that right, so correct that. You're not doing that right, try harder. No, 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 no. Yes, we have to do something. But if we don't start from this reality that, that you and I actually, the way we get through struggle in life is by first of all acknowledging that, man, we, we can't do it. But then secondly, by putting on, putting on Jesus, putting on His new identity for you, putting on His new love for you, putting on the commitment He has for you. You know, you're gonna, you and I are going to make it through the struggle, not because we tell ourselves we're such wonderful people. No, we're going to make it through because we hold on to this idea that God thinks we're wonderful, that God not only thinks we're wonderful, He came to die on a cross for me. He came to give me this great exchange. He came because He was just faithful to me. I mean, you can't love yourself. I know we talk about loving ourselves, but how, how far does loving yourself actually get you? How far, how much farther is letting God love you going to get you? And so last thing I want to bring up, and then we'll discuss, and you can agree or disagree with me on this, on all of this. But you notice how in the third paragraph, all of a sudden our author switches gear and talks about prayer, right? I mean, this whole paragraph is about praying, praying, praying. He, if you want, you can circle the word prayer and the times it comes up, but you also want to circle the word all. Notice in the first two sentences, and pray in the Spirit, or pray with God living in you on all occasions. Circle the word all there. With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Like this idea that, that praying all the time in every way for everybody, for everything, is like his last point, right? This is where we get to 
more of what we have to do. Okay? The, first, the second paragraph is put on Jesus. Like embrace what Jesus did for you and I. Don't try to do what he did. He did it. Embrace it. What we do in response, we pray. And this kind of prayer here is not just like going through formal prayers. It's, it's prayer where you're like, God, man, I just need you. God, my friend needs you. God, this situation doesn't make sense. God, I'm not sure what to do with my career. God, why is this relationship messed up? God, I'm not sure if I should do this about my kids or that about my kids. God, I just messed up here. What am I supposed to do now? It's like that kind of prayer, like everything, all the time, for everybody, in every way. Pray, 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 pray. All, 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 all the time. That's what we do as we engage the struggles we face. Well, I've said a lot. There's a lot to process. Why don't you go back to your tables and discuss two things. First of all, just talk about what you agree with or disagree with. And then second of all, talk about some of the concepts we've discussed here, some of the principles, some of the truths. What do, what do you think you need to engage in personally? What strikes you as something you're like, well, I didn't think about it that way before. And maybe that's how I need to go through some of the struggles in my life. Let's process this together. We'll give about two, three minutes for this. So again, here at Ethnos, we, we do believe we are, we're in a process together. We're in a journey together. And so I'm sure there are questions and ideas that uh, we are wrestling with and trying to figure out. So feel free to be honest with where you are. There, there are you know, there's no need to try to be somebody you're not. But uh, what are we processing? What are we thinking about here? What's, what are you agreeing with, disagreeing with, and what, what's striking you as, wow, that's, that could be really relevant in my life right now? Who wants to share? Yeah, over here? Okay, yeah, yeah. So we talked about um, develop or practicing... Uh, being in scripture and being in prayer and listening to, like, taking the time to listen to God more. Um, so that's an element or the elements that between the three of us we want to um, practice more this season. Awesome, awesome. What else? What else? Yeah, over here. Um, uh, I, I guess the overall um, consensus here was patience. There's certain things in our lives that we, we're constantly just... Um, you know, um, bombarded with every day, and we just need patience and allow um, certain things and, and say no and learn how to say no. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. That's good. Okay. What else? What else are you processing here? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I shared um, with them the last verse spoke to me a lot. Um, Pray that I may declare it fiercely, fearlessly as I should. Um, so it, it, it connects with another verse, for we did not receive a spirit of timidity, but one of uh, boldness, right? So like every, I, I told them, I, I, this is what I shared, every time we reject uh, the spirit of boldness, every time we're timid, we're rejecting, rejecting the spirit God has given us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's good, that's good. Oh, yeah, you guys are right. Yeah, people like that. Yeah, all right, that's good, that's good. Yeah, what else? Over here? Okay. Yeah. 
I liked what you said about standing. I was just thinking um, kind of the concept of just standing like on the side of a street or something. It shows you have a lot of confidence that you're being purposeful, but you're also still. Mm -hmm. Like you're not moving, you're not trying harder. You're just still waiting for God. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good picture. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, what else? Somebody else, what are you processing? Yeah, a last comment here, yeah. Uh, your comment about faith uh, it really, really struck me just how it's not, it's not our faith, but Jesus' faithfulness. And I think, uh, you know, oftentimes, oftentimes I try to, you know, to build more faith in myself, which uh, that's, yeah, that, that's just kind of a, a silly prospect. Uh, so, so I think framing it in that is, uh, is definitely something that's challenging and something I want to reflect on. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you for that. I should, I should clarify that in this person's writings, in this letter, it definitely is a, is a both and. It's like the faithfulness of Jesus than creating faith in us, because we're like, oh, okay, I can trust in that. And so it is a, it's a both-and thing, but thank you for that. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty, pretty powerful concept, yeah. Anybody else? Probably have time for one more here today. Who else? Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. You know, I, as, I, as I kind of just absorb this final excerpt from this letter, you know, we, we've talked a lot about a lot of things in this series. I mean, we've, we've touched on a lot of things. We've talked about structural racism. Somebody brought up issues of structures and systems. We've talked about that, right? Because that was actually part of, like, the second chapter in this book. We've talked about marriage. We've talked about, um, you know, you name it. We've talked about all kinds of things in this revolutionary life. What, what I appreciate about this final excerpt and, and I'd like for us to close on this, is just how clear it is in this person's mind what the real fight is against. I mean, there's no like maybe or what ifs. It's very clear. Your struggle, our struggle, is not against flesh and blood. You got to remember, this guy is writing in a time period where he was actually physically getting beat. The system was oppressing him and others. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for them to think, of course this is a physical battle. I mean, all of life is physical, isn't it? And on one hand, it is. I mean, all of life is physical. But there's something that's very clear to him. It's more than that. There are authorities and powers that we don't see in the spiritual realms and evil even that is out there and perhaps even in here. So I want us to pause and think through this because again, I, I have a feeling that some of us may be afraid to go there. We may be afraid to think that there's something more insidious, something more powerful, something beyond us. 
Again, we don't want to fall into these extremes where we're just blaming everything on the unseen or we're, you know, we, did, we don't think it totally doesn't exist. This author, there, there's something very clear about it with the way he thinks. But here's the deal. And again, this is how he ends his letter and this is how the letter begins. There was a moment in time when God broke through our existence where God entered time and space. He was always in time and space, but He entered time and space in a unique way, in a unique moment, by becoming Jesus. And in that moment, the revolution reached both its peak, but also the revolution reached its beginning. In that moment, God began to change the world in such a way that He continues to change it today. And if this is all true, if, if this actually happened, then Jesus tells us He will come back again to complete the revolution that He began. This author has been trying to encourage that ancient city of Ephesus hey, you experienced that beginning. You did. Your lives were dramatically and radically changed. Keep walking in that revolution. Walk it through until its completion. Don't let go. Don't forget what happened. And you guys know, we know how that might happen, how we might forget, right? We're always prone to forget. We experience something revolutionary with a friend, with a spiritual moment, with maybe even some food we ate. Wow, this was amazing, right? And then two hours, two days, two months, two years later, for whatever reason, the system is strong, right? The force is strong. The system can get us back into the same old, same old. Let's be clear, like this guy is clear, with where the struggle actually is, with what really is at stake, with the revolution that God would want for all our lives. Can I invite us into a final word of prayer? And if you are comfortable, you can close your eyes and kind of find the space in your heart and mind to pray. If you're not quite comfortable with prayer, you can just observe how we do this. I simply want to give us a moment of silence right now to just let whatever needs to sink in to sink in. If, as we always say at Ethmos, the spiritual is an essential part of well-being, if this whole discussion on revolution is true, that the spiritual is the ultimate reality, is where the ultimate struggle is, then we need to create space for God to break into our lives. So I want to give us this moment, 15 seconds. I want you to ask a simple question, and maybe he's already answering it. 
God, what in the world are you trying to do right now in my life? How are you trying to break in? And I want us to take what he is showing us and simply say, okay, God, yes, God, give me now the power, the energy, the love to follow through. We thank you, Jesus, today that you are alive, that you are well, and you have given us all the resources we need to walk through the struggles that we face. And not just in some personal, individualistic way, oh, I'm struggling with my grades or finances or with this relationship or whatever. There's that bigger struggle that you've invited us into this bigger struggle to see peace come into our world. The straight, greater struggle to see compassion, love, justice, all these wonderful things that will make the world right. You have invited us to be ready for that, to have our feet fitted with a readiness to, to engage in that big picture. God, continue to show us how we might engage. Lift up our eyes, lift up our vision so we can see that calling that we have. Thank you for making it all possible. Thank you for giving us life and purpose. We give ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.